Hey, you're currently listening to season three of the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford, and this season I chat with a range of individuals who work in tech. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for job opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, and data science. Get a $300 hiring bonus by signing up at hire.com forward slash learn to code with me. FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new freelancer-friendly version of their accounting software. To claim an unrestricted 30-day free trial, just go to freshbooks.com forward slash learn to code and enter learn to code with me in the how did you hear about us section. Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Stephen Harms, Director of Curriculum at Dev Bootcamp. Today, Stephen talks about his career in tech, where he first had his start in 2000 at Cisco, where he ended up working for 11 years. Stephen later became a Dev Bootcamp instructor, and then in 2015, became Director of Curriculum at Dev Bootcamp. Back in college, Steven studied philosophy and management information systems. Him and I connected over the fact that we were both troublemakers, if you will, in high school. Or as he put it, didn't show academic promise. For both of us, we really came into our skin later in life. Anyway, I love this interview as well as Steven's holistic approach of getting into tech. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus more information about Steven at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Steven. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, However, could you introduce yourself to the audience really quick? Sure. Hello, audience. Um, My name is Steven Harms. I'm a technologist, Rubyist, JavaScriptist, linguist, student of classical languages. I love all sorts of things, all sorts of nerdery. So I hope this will be a, a good audience for, for what we talk about. Just from my background, I spent about 15 years in the Bay Area. I spent uh, ten, about around 10 of those years working for Cisco Systems. I then transitioned up to San Francisco, uh, took my hand in uh, startups, and then I was approached by Dev Bootcamp to become a teacher. And after some time there, I've now moved into the more back office curriculum design part of our organization. Yeah, that's really amazing. And um, and now, like, just to clarify, like, you live in New York. So you that's moved, right. Yeah, and you moved right from the Bay Area to New York? That's correct. That's correct. Cool. And when you started working for Dev Bootcamp, did you start working in San Francisco or was... Did you move like immediately to New York for the position? No, no. I had the great pleasure of working as a teacher from January 2014 to October of, I guess those, uh, I think October of that year. Or so we started to transition um, me to our New York office. We, we, had, we hadn't had a school at that point, but um, around, uh, I guess actually about a year and a half in, uh, I was asked if I'd like to take the opportunity to try to help build our, our school in New York further. And uh, I took that opportunity. I'd never lived east of the Mississippi River, so I thought that'd be a, a horizon-broadening experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and, and on the other hand, I've never lived like off the East Coast. So I've always been either in um, like outside of Philadelphia, Boston, um, New York now. So <laughs> maybe one day they'll get to to move over to the West Coast or something. It, it, is, it is a beautiful spot, and I, I have many friends and many fond memories there. 
Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to like rewind a bit because what I think is super interesting, um, your undergraduate degree is in management information systems, which is obviously tech related and also philosophy. So like, did you start off studying both in college? Like, like, yeah, like how did that work? Well, if I could take a second to rewind me even further before that <laughs> is, um, I'll just be honest. I was, I was a really bad high school student. Um, I didn't find a lot in high school curriculum that really engaged me. And so I tended to blow off that steam or that I guess that intellectual steam in ways that were not really um, sanctioned by by the the school board of, te- of the state of Texas. So I, I would tend to play a lot of video games. Um, I tend to read a lot, but it, I did not show a great academic promise in in high school academics. Um, but what changed around, I guess, um, to date myself thoroughly around the, the mid '90s is that uh, I got a computer with a modem and. This was before widespread internet access, so um, I would use uh, bulletin board systems, and that kind of broadened my world and helped me learn more about a larger world around me. And then eventually, I was exposed to um, to internet, and I was like, "What is that?" You know, it's strange for for people listening now, but at a time, the something something at sign something something dot com was about as intelligible to the average population as like Egyptian hieroglyphics. So I saw it and I was like, what's that about? And um, eventually I got my first internet account, which was basically you dialed up on a modem and ta-da, bash shell. So you literally just landed in a shell. And there was no guidance. You just kind of had to figure way, your way out. And um, my mom, um, who was great, she uh, she bought me um, the Whole Earth Internet Catalog yeah, by Ed Crawl, as I recall, and Unix for Dummies. And between those two, I, I kind of found my way forward. And so in my life, I've always had this great love of, of technology as a, as a way to expand social boundaries, um, to expand social horizons, to learn more about the world. But I've also had this kind of academic side as well. So, you know, for me, the 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 idea that computer science is only ever like this kind of math-based discipline is something that I just never learned. I, I always had experience that technology was a thing that let me meet and interact with amazing people all around the world. And that part was what I loved about information systems. But philosophy is just where, where my, my passions truly lie. So Yeah, that's so interesting. So wait, when you got first got like connected to the internet and you're telling the story when your mom got you like the book Unix for Dummies, was mm-hmm. this while you were still in high school then? Or was yeah. this okay, so me okay, got it. Um and side note I think this is really interesting because you as you mentioned, like you didn't you're like, Oh, I didn't show a lot of academic promise in high school. I never talk about my high school years. Like the, the learn to code me, um, the learn to code me listeners like know that I do mention college a lot because I like studied history. Overall, I had a very like successful college experience. But actually, similar similarly to you, I would say I did not show the most um, promise in high school, and I think I had a lot of uh, energy that wasn't channeled in the right places. And I right. think it's hard when you're in high school to like have that structure for yourself because you're obviously, you know, going through a lot of changes. You're growing up, you're maturing. Um, but I think I love to hear like, not that I love to hear, but when people sim- have similar stories to me, cause it's kind of like, Oh, look, like we, like we made it despite, despite not maybe, uh, having the most promise in high school, but we still ended up doing good things. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, I'll fast forward a little bit. That's why I'm so interested in curriculum. That's why I'm so interested in teaching. 
you know, I, I learned six semesters worth of, of Latin in my thirties. You know, I, I've never stopped wanting to think about how to, how we as humans have, have built the, the discipline of, of teaching and of sharing and uh, of getting ideas across better because I feel like in some ways my academic success was, um, I'll, I'll take full responsibility for my, my fate, but I think there were, there were ways where students such as myself and, and many others could have been reached. And, and in some part, that's kind of why I stepped into a role of teacher um, later on in my life. But I, I'm passionate about finding a way to, to reach people for whom the, the default mode of instruction hasn't been successful. And that's why I, I'm proud to be part of an organization that, that promotes accessibility, that, 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 you know, wherever you are, whatever happened in the past, the past is history, and you can choose uh, a tech career if you want it. And, um, and that's just something that resonates for me personally. Yeah, I love that. I always like, as like a little like phrase, it's like, um, your past doesn't define your future or even your present, like your past doesn't define your present. So that could be obviously applied to a tech career or many other things. But yeah, and that's actually, I love chatting with like learn to code with me readers and listeners. And some of the emails that I get that, um, I don't know, it touched me the most, I guess, are from especially girls like in high school that or, or early college. I just had one the other day of someone, I think she was a freshman studying computer science and she, and they'll, you know, be asking for advice and saying if, you know, oh, should I leave the, the program and do something else? And I always have, I'm like, no, like, like you can do it. Like, like, like it gets better. I promise. Like high school for me was like really terrible, but it, it gets so much better. And I, I'm so happy. I feel like every year from high school through college, to today just keeps getting better and better and better. But as, as you said, like your fate is in your hands. Like you have total control over the decisions you make every day, like where you put yourself, where you work, the relationships you're in. And um, yeah, and I, after realizing that as I got older, it's it's definitely been, things have been going better every year. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love how you kind of tied like tied everything together, even though like philosophy and tech seem kind of unrelated and then teaching, well, like, like how, like the sharing of information has always interested you when it first started with the internet and now what you're doing today, as far as like helping dev bootcamp create curriculum for their programs and figuring out ways to reach more um, students and helping people get into tech. That, that's absolutely the case. Um, you know, I, you know, thinking about more people in tech is that I remember a very awkward moment at, at RubyConf, I think this was in 2010, you know, somebody stood up on the stage and said, like, isn't it great that we make so much money? You know, like, you can know Ruby for, like, four weeks and get an amazing job uh, up up 101 in, in the city. And everyone kind of, like, chuckled and, like, kind of, like, was like, yay, aren't we great? And then the the speaker, I can't remember if it was, I, w- I really wish I could, because I could, I could credit him, um, then said, like, doesn't that strike you as a problem? Is that we're extracting this this much wealth for for you know a pretty cursory knowledge of, of how to make web forms, and and the audience got real quiet, and we realized that in a lot of ways the the advantages we'd had had set up the the fact that we were going to do exceedingly well, and it, it was kind of like a, a moment of like are we going to try to make keep this like a, a sealed club or or not. And I got to admit that, that that thought question kind of haunted me for, for a number of years. And then when the opportunity to kind of step in and, and change change the system to, to potentially bring more people and different kinds of people into space became evident um, that, that I could have a hand in that. That, that, was, that was an amazing moment. And to realize that there are people, you know, some of the individuals I, I first, students that I first spoke to when I was interviewing at Dev Bootcamp told me the stories of, you know, 
sold the car, leveraged credit card debt. Not that I'd recommend that. Um, you know, wife was working and covering the kids while they were in school. To find people who were so committed that they were willing to go all in was a, was a profound and, and humbling experience. And yeah, you know, I just hope that I can I can honor their their sacrifice and their commitment um, and, and provide them an effective education that 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 changes changes their outcomes. I, I want to see their lives improved. And um, you know that 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 notion of, of being available more often for for different types of people is is something that. I feel like I, I owe my fellow citizens of both the, the nation and the planet. Yeah, no, that's that's so amazing. Like, and, and as I think, you know, like I also, well, a bit differently work in education. I work for um, an ed tech startup called Teachable, and it's like a platform, like a CMS to make um, courses, and which is also very rewarding aside from everything I do with Learn to Code With Me and Forbes. But there's nothing better like there's nothing more satisfying than seeing like the impact you have on someone's, you know, career choice. And I mean, a career choice is like, is huge, right? Like to like a person, you know, making the decision to go to, you know, dev bootcamp or not, or to go to, you know, another program or not and um, get into tech. It's like, it can, you know, totally impact people's lives. And yeah, it's like the most gratifying thing. I think of everything I do is getting to talk directly with people and seeing how their lives have improved after deciding to go into tech. And especially someone who is very hesitant, thinking maybe tech like wasn't for them. Like, you know, as you mentioned math early on. I hear that a lot from people like, oh, I'm really bad at math. Like, can I can I learn to code? But yeah, seeing people like that make it completely gratifying. So I want to switch gears just a little bit because you were working at Cisco for mm-hmm. like 11 years. Yes, and right. I'm wondering, because you didn't exactly study like, you know, computer science in college. Like, did you take programming courses though there? Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a, an interesting sort of thing that happened. Um, you know, and I guess for, for listeners, um, you know, the, the thing I'd say is that you can, you can enter a career in, in programming and technology from, from a number of different ways. Um, the way I kind of entered is that, is that through the MIS program, I, I had to take a bunch of, of programming courses and I'll be honest, I, I was really underwhelmed. Um, you know, I had to take like the visual basic for applications and Java 303, you know, we had to do the classic recursion challenges and I, I was just, I was just really uninspired, um, in, in programming. I just thought like, you know, in my mind, like programming was like this thing that like, you know, people in cube farms were going to be forced to do. And, you know, that's not fun. And I, I kind of had this very instrumentalist view of it. It's like, I, I would learn it um, and I, I would do it and I'd be able to be good at it because I had to. It's kind of like, like knowing how to chop tomatoes. If you want to be a chef, it's like, Oh no, I want to make great dishes. I don't want to be an expert at, at like this raw kind of rote task. I guess that's how I viewed it. Which is so strange now because I love it so much. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine that my mind was there at the time. But um, yeah, the I definitely had to take the, those those experiences. But um, where I actually wound up kind of getting my my foot in the door at, at Cisco was that I took a, an internship to basically do support um, at Lotus in Austin, where I went to school, and it was dominantly a um, is a support gig. And it was for um, a product that they're end of lifing, and you know, it, I learned a lot about how to take care of customers. I learned a lot about how to communicate with people who are, who are frustrated. I had a great boss there. I had a great team there. We had a great professional environment that actually was was really really diverse. Uh, I loved working with with that team there. I didn't realize that as time would go on that that was a, a rare and, and sort of special moment. 
Um, but I, I loved working there and I worked there part-time through uh, the year 2000 up until my graduation when, when, when I left. And I have nothing, nothing ill to say of, of Lotus or IBM. I think they treated their interns and, and staff during my era just, just really, really well. They really wanted us to love being part of a big team. Um, so I was really honored by that. But when I got my interview at Cisco, that experience, I think, worked for them a lot. And what I was initially hired to do at Cisco was engineering support. So basically, because engineering uh, for Cisco was so important, the engineering team had their own private support unit, um, which was uh, very highly technically oriented. It wasn't so much like, hey, my my password doesn't work or something like that. It was much more like, um, hey, the, the disk, the remote disk mounting system is broken and I can't build my product. And um, for an engineering firm like Cisco, every minute where product's not being built and shipped uh, costs. So I was hired to do support in that very highly technical environment. And what happened is that the skills that I mentioned earlier, the, the basic Unix foo, the, the Unix for dummy skills, came back in big time. And it was in that environment with, paired with the ability to do customer support that I was um, initially successful in my career. And eventually that success kept going on and on. But what happened is I noticed that certain problems kept cropping up, or I noticed that certain complex operations had to be taken in order to, to fix a system for, for a user. And so I kind of you know, opened up VI and started um, pecking away at Perl, um, Perl, the programming language. And over time, I built up enough of a repertoire of that that I had built enough solutions to kind of advance my reputation. And more and more pieces were, were granted to me. And so I got into programming away from that academic thing that I didn't like. I got into it in the sense of, of really being excited about it as a thing that allowed me to, to delight my user base and to, to create more time in my day for, for, for doing other things. So I, my programming skills started off just very instrumentalist, like, can I make it do this? Can I make it find this thing? And over time, um, that instrumentalism, instrumentalism just created a bunch of hacks and then I had to learn the discipline of, of like, oh, how do you write clean, communicative, supportable code? And that was that was a journey I undertook while, while I was employed there. And that's a that's a journey that I'm still on, is, is trying to figure out how to write the, the cleanest, most elegant implementations of things. But you don't have to start with writing great solutions to you know code or wall challenges. Is that maybe the way you you get in is just by subtle degrees from a tech adjacency. And that's fine too. So if it's DevOps, if it's uh, QA, if it's testing, whatever it is, is like you can take what what resonates with you and add programming to it, and and have a have a wonderful programming career. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Searching for a new job can feel stressful, scary, and time consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. The solution is Hired. Hired makes your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. Hired offers access to 4,000-plus innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. The best part? It's always free for you to find your next job on Hired. No exceptions. 
In fact, you could even get paid to get hired. My listeners can get a $300 hiring bonus by signing up with my link, hire.com forward slash learn to code with me. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging, sure, but our friends at FreshBook believe the rewards are so worth it. There have never been more opportunities for the self-employed, especially in tech. That's why FreshBooks has redesigned its cloud accounting software from the ground up, custom built for exactly the way freelancers work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized and get paid quickly. Create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com forward slash learn to code and enter learn to code with me in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, I, I love that so much. Um, and I think so many people, at least I know I was one of them when they first started learning how to code. I only thought like the only option for me was to become a software engineer, right? Or like a, you know, full stack developer. But right. there are so many places, as you just mentioned, a few like QA, DevOps, customer support, um, your role, engineering support, which I don't ever even think I heard of, <laughs> like like yeah. support just for engineering, where tech skills can come into play. And that was something I even learned more or realized more when I started my um, full-time job. Just for instance, seeing some of our like customer care agents, uh, some of the more technical ones, like going into the console and like trying to debug something for a customer or like writing, you know, the, the bug tickets. Um, right. It can, especially if you're working for a software company or, well, yeah, like a, like a SaaS company, it can really come in handy, I think, in pretty much any role having these uh, tech skills. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but when slash how did you first get into Ruby then? Um, you know, it, it's that, that's an interesting story. Is that, like I mentioned, I was I was using Perl at Cisco, and I had a big, I had a huge love of Perl. Um, you know, for for a person who's sort of a a, a spare time linguist, uh, working with Perl is just fascinating. Larry Wall, who created Perl, is also a, an amateur linguist, and you know, there's some some wonderful expressiveness in in Perl. But what I found is that I couldn't get um, peers to 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 support Perl. Is that they'd find its um, its style too confusing, and I'll take some amount of responsibility for that. I, I don't think I necessarily wrote the cleanest code back in the day, but um, it was just very clear that that Perl's Perl is a supportable language was 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 frustrated. Um, and the other part is that the next revision of Perl um, had been promised for a long time and, and hadn't shipped. And I believe that's actually still the case. I don't think Perl six is out yet. It just became obvious that Perl was not the right one for the company's interest to, to, to bet to bet on, and so I was looking for a replacement that would have a cleaner syntax, uh, more familiarity, or, or I guess more more re- readability, uh, a wider familiarity in in the community. And so, you know, circa let's say maybe 2002 or so, um, I think that's about right. The, it seemed a pretty even bet between between Ruby and Python. Uh, I read a Python book and kind of got bored. Um, but then I picked up the, the Ruby pickaxe book and there was something about Ruby that seemed like joyful. Um, and I connected with it and, um, I loved the idea of blocks in Ruby. I love the idea of 
um, parentheticals being being moved into separate realities. Um, and that's effectively what a, what a block in Ruby is. And for somebody who thinks parenthetically and talks parenthetically, that was just something that just just harmonized with the language and, and me. Um, and so I started exploring Ruby sans Rails. And then right, not too terribly long after that, um, in the parlance of the rappers, uh, Rails 1 dropped the famous uh, DHH, build a blog in like trivial amounts of time, shipped. And as somebody who, who could do the equivalent in Perl, I saw just how quickly DHH did that in the video. Pair that with TextMate um, editor being able to do these snippet completions. He did a phenomenal amount of work that was clear, readable, and powerful in in you know something like ten minutes. And I I, I think for programmers of that era, you know, be they Java or or um, Perl or, or even Python, everybody's jaw just kind of hit the floor and realized that DHH had had really leveled up the industry. And and that was kind of where I I made that full on commitment that. Um, I would I would take Ruby and, and Rails. Um, I'd take up their banner and, and, and see, and, and kind of follow them, see, see see what they could teach me. And they've taught me quite a lot. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting story too, because it's it's kind of like came to Ruby through um, practical reasons or like or reasons for your job where you're trying to find a better solution, and yeah. then yeah, you came upon that. And sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but does de- does Dev Bootcamp instruct Ruby? We instruct in. We instruct in primarily Ruby and JavaScript. Okay, so you're still like, you know, side projects or anything aside, you're still working in Ruby um, by creating curriculum at Dev Bootcamp. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I will never stop programming. You know, in, in my opinion, you know, programmers have existed forever. Um, it's the question of you know how we manifest that desire. It's the same desire that built built the pyramids and that built the assembly line. Um, that's what programming is. Um, whether or not it's manifested on a computer with a, a programming language is just a, a sort of interesting curlicue of our time in history. So, um, yeah, I, we still, I still write Ruby a lot. I still read a lot. Um, I'm, I'm working slowly but surely through Peter Seibel's Practical Common Lisp. I never want to stop learning and opening myself to, to new languages. I feel like I, I gained so much from it. Um, However, at Ruby, or excuse me, at Dev Bootcamp, we still primarily use Ruby as the language of instruction. The main virtue there is that if I have a syntax which is confusing while I'm teaching individuals uh, concepts that are confusing, then I think um, I don't necessarily serve the communication of the concepts well. So by and large, we've um, our curriculum is not focused on language capabilities as much as it is do you have a grasp of the problem and the nature of the solution? That's that's what I want to communicate. I, I, I also want to be responsive to, to what um, market demands are, but I find that if a student doesn't understand or an individual doesn't understand, you know, why do we persist things or why do we structure data or wh- why HTML or why ORM, it doesn't matter if they've learned it in, in you know, I don't know, phoenix or rust or or it it, it doesn't make a difference what's important is that you gain the sort of transcendent structures of of why in programming and then it's very easy to map those transcendent structures into particular instances uh using different languages so you know i i still write code i still love code i still think a lot about code i still think a lot about cross communication in code um and and you know i try to bring that I don't want to say tension, but that that excitement, that that knowledge, and that appreciation of the apposition of ideas 
I try to bring that into the, the curriculum that we created at Bootcamp. Yes, that's fascinating. And I, okay, so I'm glad we kind of ended on Dev Bootcamp because I want to talk about that a bit more. Specifically, um, what your day-to-day looks like as the director of curriculum or as someone who is working on creating the curriculum. Because, you know, I think a lot of us think about all the online courses or in-person courses we create in the teachers. But again, at least for me, I never gave much thought to like the curriculum that goes into these courses until later. So I would just love to hear like, yeah, what your day looks like as the director of curriculum. Well, um, I have a lot of meetings, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, and and it, the, I have to put all my, a lot of my credit onto, onto the teaching staff is that, is that we work as a, as a national team to put different experiences together um, in terms of, you know, hey, I think this challenge is confusing. I think the language here is imprecise. So we bring a lot um, from from the virtual team perspective at, at creating the curriculum. We've now been iterating on it, um, you know, as a team for for you know years. You know, we, we pioneered the space, so I think we have a certain level of, of provenness and and familiarity with it. So I think that's um, so trying to facilitate that discussion is a big part of my job. Um, the other part is that Dev Bootcamp is is licensed by by. Um, boards of education in our various states so we have uh, an obligation to our our regulatory um, entities to make sure that what we teach we actually measure that we teach um, that we teach it responsibly that we teach it in the sequence that we're teaching it Um, other other institutions have have not pursued licensure and um, you know for for me i believe that that's that's an important part of 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 our brand is that you know we're we're trying to engage with the, the states and make sure that um, boot camp style education is something that um, our country can continue to, to re- rely on and I hope to see to see more offerings so um, you know I think that that commitment is, an, is something that's important to me so making sure that we're in guidance with that is, is is critical but also recognizing that how we scope you know what we teach and how we sequence the order we teach it how we scope and sequence our work is is kind of part of the magic of of our experience. And then lastly, the curriculum can create a community or it can fail to create a community. Um, you know, I've used a number of online learning platforms and in several of them, I just, I felt like I didn't have a community behind me. Like if ever I got stuck, the honor code would prevent me from asking a question. And, I, and it really just kind of killed my joy from it. it. It didn't allow me to kind of like be like, Hey, can you show me your solution? I'm, you know, I'm blowing the, the memory allotment. Can, can you teach me a little bit? we weren't able to build that community of trading ideas and it, it really hurt my, my understanding and, and my pace uh, of learning. So what's really important for me at dev bootcamp is that the curriculum, and I, I mean that both in like technical skills, metacognitive skills, um, communication, team building skills is that do you are, do we create a community that, that makes it great for learners and do we prime our, our graduates to be agents of creating that kind of community in whatever workplace they enter. Um, you know, I've worked in, I've, I've been exposed to situations where there's been a level of, um, team dysfunction. I've been lucky. I've never been in in a toxic team environment, but I've definitely seen some dysfunctions. And I, I think that, you know, if you ever see that, that wonderful kind of team dynamic, like I described during my internships and my early days in college, 
you want to figure out how to help people create that. And I think at Dev Bootcamp, you know, something unique that we have is that focus on community curation and, and kind of like trying to light the spark and pass on the torch to, to the people who are going to go back out. So, you know, for a curriculum, I'm looking at scope, sequence. Are we addressing the right topics? Are we fitting the market? And are we are we passing the torch of a generation of software developers who will be emissaries for for a better quality of human uh, interaction. So I know you guys have multiple um, dev bootcamp locations across the country. Are you and you guys? I assume are teaching the same curriculum at That's each. Right. Okay, okay, cool. And then, do you guys only have one course offering? Like the curriculum that you work on, is it just for your like main program, or do you have other courses too that you offer? Like that each have their own curriculum. It's a fascinating put push pull between between our sites and and the, the national organization is that our our local sites can can lens into what their their local market might need um, and, and say like oh it turns out that we need um, you know we'd like to serve an intro on some topic or we'd like to do this community event so that kind of variation is is typically served um, by the local market not out of out of my role. So, for example, you know, in Austin, they may have, I don't know, it sounds like a great idea, I don't know, maybe like tacos and whiteboarding. Um, they, they may have that as a regular weekly workshop. That isn't mandated by me. That's something that um, I, I, I'm glad that we let the creative genius of our, of our local agents make the call on. Um, from a national perspective, we do have one product, which is our, our full stack web developer um, program. The approach we have there is is recognizing that the the fundamentals of what we're teaching are are never going to go away never going to go away in the foreseeable future you know we focus on clean code object orientation working with databases the http stack and um, delivering projects as a team and those fundamentals don't change whether you're using an iphone or uh, i don't know um, whatever the latest javascript framework is um, or uh, or if you're working on an Internet of Things device, at the end of the day, the, the, the dominant default communication mode is HTTP. The the dominant technologies um, tend to, or the dominant languages tend to be something object oriented ish or JavaScript, and we cover both of those bases. So our goal is to provide kind of a, if you will, a, a stem cell education, which, when paired with the individual's ambition and sense of direction, can can drive them into the right kind of of role where they'll flourish. Yeah, that's. That's great. And I think it's really awesome that you allow um, like the locations to kind of with like the smaller workshops and other community events to have control over um, what they what they do. Because as you said, like it's definitely going to be probably different from location to location. And there may be a different community that wants to see like an event more about like web design or UX or something, whereas another may want something on like using the command line. Um, Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so that's really that's really neat that you do that. And I also think it's really cool that you do have that like one core curriculum that is taught um, at every location. And I think that yeah, that's that, and that's kind of like the hallmark, I guess, of like the Dev Bootcamp experience is that is that like main curriculum there. So we are running low on time, and I want to ask this before we wrap up. Seeing you have so much experience um, in the industry, both you know working as a software developer and then now helping um, people learn how to become a software developer, what advice do you have for a person who is learning um, on their own? So after college, 
um, you know, coming from an unrelated career, perhaps. Yeah. What advice would you have for them? Yeah. um, Just, just, I I have like huge, huge love and and compassion for individuals doing that. Um, I taught myself Ruby at what I call 5am boot camp, which is that, you know, I got up at 5am and I'd sit in my apartment in in Austin and and work my way through the pickaxe books, pickaxe book. Um, we are living in an amazing time where there are sources like like yours um, that help create communities and help people realize that they're not so alone in doing that. So the first thing I think is just just realize you're not alone. There are tons of resources. There are big-hearted people um, who who want to engage with you, and if you seek them with earnestness and humility, they will help you out. Um, I think that's the first thing is that realize that you're not alone. Um, the second part is that, um, and I, I don't mean to sound like too terribly get off my lawn here. But we spend um, a lot of time losing losing it in very frivolous activities. And, uh, you know, I, I ride the subway and I see that most people are scrolling or playing infinite runner games or, or, or whatever it is. Um, if you add up all the 50-second, uh, you know, five-minute interactions that you have with the latest listicle or, or some alert that repeats news that you already know, you, you, if you add that up, you realize that you actually spend a lot of time incorrectly if you actually want to change change your life and change your livelihood. Um, so I would encourage you to realize that, that you now have the capacity of carrying the sum total of human knowledge in your pocket. And so instead of opening up Facebook, um, I, I might urge you to open up iBooks and, and open, up, open up a book. And you say, well, I can't really get into the mode of, of reading this and coding that between – you know, uh, 110th Street and Times Square, but lo and behold, you can. You, you can you can read it. You can increase familiarity. You can read a paragraph and kind of imagine how it might work. You can you can engage with material. So I'd say take advantage of your time. Um, be, be the mastered steward uh, of every minute of, of your day of your life, um, and take control of it. And don't don't give it away to people who want to harvest your eyeballs for advertising revenue. Give it give it to yourself first, and and make that commitment. So. I guess it's you know commit and, and take advantage of the available time, and also take um, take advantage of of the network of practitioners who, who want to help and love to help. Awesome, Stephen. I love that so much, especially the um, the point about taking advantage of your time because you're so right. There's so many like minutes in the day, or another one, and I'm so guilty of this. Um, watching Netflix. Um, and falling into like the series. I mean, I always try to give myself like one day a week where I completely turn off, even though I'm watching Netflix, but I mean from work, I just lay on the couch all day and like watch a series or something. But at the same time, there's there's lots of other times during the day, like during like the work day where you could probably be making, uh, yeah, better use of your time. But anyway, finally, where can people find you online, Stephen? Um, so if, if my last talk didn't just make you write me off as a complete curmudgeon. You're, you're welcome to find me on, uh, on Twitter at SG harms on GitHub, uh, user ID SG harms. Uh, you can visit my website, which is, uh, very, very occasionally maintained, which is Stephen Um, and if you, uh, if you have, uh, questions about dev bootcamp or, or curriculum design, uh, feel free to reach me at Stephen at dev Awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on. Thanks so much. It's, it's been a real pleasure, and I wish everyone the, the best in their journey of uh, uncovering new aspects of reality by studying programming. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Again, the show notes for this episode can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. 
If you're listening to this episode in the future, simply click the search icon in the upper navigation and type in Steven's name. He spells his first name like S-T-E-V-E-N, and his last name, H-A-R-M-S. If you're thinking about learning how to code or just getting started, make sure to visit my website, learntocodewith.me, where you can find even more awesome code-related content, like my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.